Welcome to Second Half Now, a radio show for boomers and beyonders. Tools and tips for the life you want to live from now on. With Dr. Dan Critchett, Second Half Now, sponsored by Dignity Memorial. It's time for Second Half Now. The doctor is in. Now here is your host, Dr. Dan Critchett. And we're happy to welcome you to Second Half Now today. This is, in fact, a radio show for boomers and beyonders. And you know who you are. We are basically the 50-plus generation, and this is where we discuss the things that matter to us in this generation, this age and stage of life. I'm your host, Dr. Dan Critchett, and happy to welcome uh, you to the show. I'm going to introduce our guest here in just a couple of moments. And uh, I want to say something that I probably all say all the time, and that is we have a really good show today. Uh, we've had a little pre previous conversation, uh, both on the phone and now before... Uh, uh, turning on the the mics, and uh, I'm just really pleased to uh, to welcome our guest. And again, I'll introduce her in a moment. What I want to start with is this: <clears throat> you are listening to me, and you are understanding what I'm saying. And you're probably thinking, "Well, duh, of course." But you know, we oftentimes take our language and our ability to communicate for granted. I mean, you can walk into Safeway and you can turn around to the person behind you and say, "Well, how are you doing today?" And communication happens, and life lives uh, connect and uh, and good stuff happens. But we don't think very much about that essence and that gift of communication and language. And what about if you turn around in the line in Safeway and the person doesn't look like they, how do I say, that they um, grew up here or they're not from here. I'm putting that in air quotes. And if you say, well, hello, how are you? And uh, they shrug their shoulders and look at you and say, no, speaky. Uh, there's no communication there. And I want to tell you that there are lots and lots and lots of people, God-loved people in our communities who don't have the ability to communicate with us because they don't have language skills in English, either not enough or in some cases not at all. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. It is the gift of communication, the gift of language. Is there a role for people of faith individually or in congregations to uh, to look at the challenge, to look at the opportunities that we have for uh, people right around uh, our communities? We're going to talk about going beyond our own communities uh, also, too. But this area of service just may be one of the greatest gifts that we can give. It's the most powerful connection we can discover uh, to meet the needs and plant the seeds of people around us who don't speak, at least not fluently and not very well, don't speak our language. So you know that I give a title to every show, and for this show, here is the title, Language, Barrier or Bridge. That's what we're going to talk about today, because when we put down a program on Second Half Now, it is for this purpose. It is so that you can find and fulfill your calling. It's so that you can tune into what God has called you to do, either for a season or for a lifetime. And that's what we're here to do. Language, barrier or bridge. Let's talk about it. Special guest in the studio today, I'm happy to welcome Kristen Kidney, who is the department chair. Am I saying that right? She's nodding, so that must be okay. The department chair of TESOL, TESOL. Teaching English to Speakers of Other Languages. I'm still getting used to all the acronym here. But, uh, Kristen, thank you so much for coming in today, and welcome to Second Half Now. Well, thank you for having me. 
we had quite a, a, a wind-up even before we got started. I feel like we've already gotten into the subject, but now we're going to rewind and get back uh, to the beginning, and we're going to talk about some some great things. And so I know that you were tuned in as I was um, uh, talking, that kind of setting the stage, because it really does happen. I mean, all around us in our communities, all around the greater Portland metro area, there are, and maybe you know, there are thousands of people who do not speak our language very well. We can either see them as intruders or invaders or, you know, foreigners or immigrants or enemies or whatever, or we can see them as people for whom, you know, God loved and sent his gift of salvation. We can serve them. We can meet their needs. We can teach them the gift that we have with English. So what is the big deal? Tell us about the role or the power of English today in the world, in, in everything that's going on. Right. Well, we may not even think about uh, the language that we speak being a language of power, but um, that's because we're we're just taking it for granted. There are currently over 7,000 languages spoken in the world today. 7,000. And yet it's estimated that by the end of this century, there may be half of those may be extinct, um, completely gone. They're totally gone. Um, And part of what's causing that is globalization, communities coming together, people moving to cities, needing different languages in order to work Mm -hmm. together. And so with with great sensitivity and humility and respect for those languages, we know that um, 1.5 billion people in the world today are English language learners, people that are trying to learn English um, for better job opportunities, for access to resources. If they're living here, sometimes it's just for survival. Right, right. Getting a job or, you know, getting directions or figuring things out, yeah. And I think you make a good point because if if a person in, you know, country X on continent X, um, you know, wants to acquire a language for success or for, uh, commerce or business or enterprise or access, you know, internet and all that stuff, they're probably not going to learn Latin or Italian or, you know, I mean, and I'm, there's nothing, I'm not demeaning those languages at all because our language, the one that we grew up learning and knowing is the language of power and the language of success in our world. And being native speakers actually puts us in the minority. There are more people Ah. speaking English in the world today as a second or third language than speak it as a first language. Oh, that is interesting. I haven't heard it that way. I've heard different ways of saying that something about that perspective. But So say it again, there are more... People speaking English for whom it's their second or third language right. than those of us who have it as our primary or heart language or native language. Right. Wow. So what I'm trying to uh, get at here is to set the stage for who we are as people because um, I, I don't want for for me or for our audience to think, well, you know, language is language. I get up and go to work and I get along fine. And so what's the big deal? I mow the lawn. I pay my bills. You know, I mean, why would this be of interest to me? And I want to say, even if it's if it, even if this doesn't if this show doesn't call on you and doesn't pull on you to do something, I want you to have a higher awareness of the great and I mean great ministry opportunity. I'm a longtime pastor and I'm always wearing my outreach lenses and I see every opportunity like this as a possibility for somebody to reach somebody. And this is bigger than many of the opportunities that we have because there are do you have any idea how many 
uh, non-native English speakers there are. Uh, that's a terrible sentence structure, <clears throat> but in the in the Portland area. Um, I'm not aware of that statistic okay. um, because the number is changing so fast. Sure, it's a right, hard right. statistic to really yeah. keep our, our hands on. Um, but it is estimated um, nationwide by 2020. So this is four years from now. Yeah. One in four public school students will be an English language learner. So 25% of our children that are going to school are English language learners, meaning a different language is spoken in the home. Right, right. So our communities are getting more and more linguistically diverse, for sure. sure. And we can either shrug and let it go, or we can be worried about it, or I always joke, I say, I'm looking forward to the time when I call my bank and uh, the automated prompt, you know, says for English, press three (laughs) (laughs) or four. You know, because the American in me and the English uh, language in me says, no, wait a minute. You know, uh, I don't know what the position is about the national language or the official language. But anyway, I remember back a number of years ago when we were doing um, uh, saturation church planting uh, analysis in the Portland area. We had uh, statistics from the Portland Public School District that says that uh, there were 51 known um, languages, other languages, non-English language languages being spoken in the homes of the Portland Public School students. And that was probably 20 years ago, and it's probably more like 60 or 70 or 80 now. Uh, and I'm just curious about the number of people who are uh, not native English speakers. And I like the phrase that you're using, English language learners. Right. It's, we see them as they just don't know English. But um, but language learning is such a long journey. Yeah, if anyone right. has ever had the experience of maybe studying a second language in, <clears throat> in uh, high school where you spent a couple of years and you felt like maybe you could almost order right, at a restaurant right. as long as nothing confusing happened, mm-hmm. but you weren't real sure that you could hold or just a point. meaningful conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Language learning is a long process, yeah. and it takes a lot of investment and time yeah. and families who come here that are quickly, um, you know, inundated with the task of survival often find that finding a job or finding housing yeah. takes priority. And then they get to use whatever minimal free time is left over to try to make right. that English pursuit. Right. And if a family or an individual or a couple finds themselves in the Portland area, we just kind of localize it here, personalize mm-hmm. it for us. And um, if they recognize that they really can't even figure out where the bus goes, you know, without knowing the language, um, they're they got to get on a fast track and learn at least enough to get around and to get by. And those who aspire to actually achieve and excel and do something and create something and be something, they there's no choice. I mean, you cannot. <clears throat> let me say if uh, I'll I'll make a statement <laughs> to see if you even agree with it. You cannot. Um, succeed or excel in American culture without knowing English. Right. Would you agree with that? It certainly opens up so much more opportunity, Mm -hmm. so much more security, that idea that you feel that you are integrated with the people around you and that you are linguistically welcomed. Um, I think the idea of, of linguistic hospitality says that we welcome and embrace the fact that you can speak another language and we also assist you in your journey to add to that not to detract from that beautiful first language heritage that you have 
But to help you add to that. I was uh, having lunch with a, uh, a pastor from Africa who was on the show a few months ago, Pastor Dan Amakobe from Kenya. And uh, he uh, was visiting the States and had brought his daughter along. And we were at a local restaurant, everybody would know. And um, so we were talking because he, this is a guy who has planted 60 churches in five African nations. And I don't know what all languages, you know, that would require to do that. But um, I asked a question, I think I asked of the of the daughter, and they broke into this some little discussion between themselves. I had no idea what they were saying. <laughs> but it was interesting how quickly I became the foreigner. I mean, I became the one that I could not be included in that conversation. And so because of our relationship, I felt okay. But I said, well, what did you guys just say? But they could communicate, you know, more... Uh, efficiently and more effectively in that language just to get, because mm -hmm. I'm not sure that the daughter is um, real fluent in English, but I mean, the pastor was, Pastor Dan was. But it was interesting how, how I was all of a sudden excluded, and they, I, they didn't intend to do that, but so I can put myself into the shoes of somebody from Central or South America or somebody from Asia or somebody from you know, any other continent and country that doesn't have our language. And gosh, your world shrinks real quickly. Right. Let's get into the practical side because I, I want to make sure that we talk about how what, how what you do can really be a tool, can be a, an awareness, uh, but then also a tool. There are some listening to us who can hardly wait to hear where we're going to go with this because they say, I've always wanted to know how I can be a help because I know my language pretty well, they would say. And uh, anybody listening, if you can understand what we're saying, you know your language well enough, wouldn't you say? Sure. Kristen? Anybody okay. who's following along, they've got it. Yeah. You're okay. an English expert. <laughs> right, right. Just because you went to, you know, you, you learned uh, vowels and nouns in, in, uh, in fifth grade, and I used to be a school teacher. And so, in fact, the interesting thing is when I had lessons in my fifth and sixth grade classes, I learned a lot of things that I missed back in the day, and so now I got to teach them. But maybe that's kind of like, um, my daughter is a linguist, she has a interdisciplinary degree in linguistics and early childhood. And that's an interesting combination. So I'm very fascinated by this. And I want to find out about your uh, your journey with TESOL, te teaching English to speakers of other languages. And maybe our listeners can kind of get used to us using that acronym. Uh, and Multnomah and, the, um, uh, and your expertise and your journey. I mean, how, how did this all come about? And what do you actually do at Multnomah? Well, I like to say I, I discovered TESOL as an accident, but perhaps oh, really? more of a divine accident right. is a better way to phrase it. I, um, I got a religion degree in college with a concentration in international education and missions and headed straight out to the mission field. And with the organization I went with, I took... Um, I had a background in Japanese, so I took the only job in Japan that did not require teaching English as oh, a second language. By choice. <laughs> by choice. You were looking for that I one. was yeah. specifically avoiding it. Yeah. I had no idea what I wanted wow. to do on the mission field, but I was deliberately yeah. intending not to do that because it sounded hard. Right. I mean, explaining English grammar to people who didn't speak English, how in the world do you right. do that? Um, so I that's such, it. Before you finish, that is such yeah. a great story how God takes us in the direction that we have, are heading ourselves. And he says, no, wait a minute, I want you to go over this way. And, oh, it was and, a Jonah moment, wasn't it? 
<laughs> I like that. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, so I, I got to Japan on a Tuesday and was told that my very first English class would be Friday. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not only that, but it was going to be three and four-year-olds, oh, and my. their mothers were going to line the edge of the classroom and watch me teach English. You were frightened? I was terrified. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I just, um, I know that God sat and watched me struggle through that first lesson with just pure delight, knowing that I was going to fall in love with it because of all the different things I got to do with my mission team. And and we did a variety of things. Um, Teaching English was that thing that built deep relationships. People regularly came they attended, they, in English class is different from maybe a, a math class or a history class in that the course content becomes the students' lives. They tell you about their dreams and their hopes and their challenges, and mm-hmm. you discuss all that as part of the course. So it uh, was just such a wonderful experience that wow. I came back um, uh, to everyone's surprise, ready to get my master's in TESOL. So, so following the uh, the Jonah uh, <laughs> narrative, then you 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 went to Nineveh, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I dug in. <laughs> yeah, and I want to ask you something about the response. Um, even maybe the children, the little ones, or the moms, when they started to to learn that they could actually communicate in English. And I'll ask you that right after our break. So don't go away, folks. We'll be right back. Do you have an elderly parent that is becoming isolated, not eating well, feeling depressed or fearful of losing independence? Do you know your options? Need peace of mind or know what is best for yourself or others during their golden years of life? At no cost to you or your family, Golden Placement Services can give you hope in the midst of great change. Even if it means staying at home is the right option. Call the Golden Girls at 503-723-7145 today. That's 503-723-7145 and schedule your non-obligation appointment today. Helping to plan a funeral for someone you love is a painful process. It's one of the most emotional things you'll ever have to do. But imagine how much grief would be spared if people planned for themselves. Though it may sound difficult or uncomfortable to even think about, the experts at Dignity Memorial Funeral Homes and Cemeteries can help with a free personal planning guide that takes you step-by-step through the process. And, of course, Dignity Memorial will even help you complete your plan with the expert assistance of trained and caring advisors. There are a lot of very good reasons to plan ahead. Make sure your final wishes are respected, sparing your loved ones the added grief of planning for you and having to pay for it. If you choose to fund your plan early, you can even lock in current pricing, avoiding increases due to inflation, and take advantage of budget-friendly payments. There is a free informational seminar that includes a complimentary meal at a restaurant in your area very soon. Find out more and ask any questions you may have by calling Katie at 503-807-5715. It costs nothing to learn how you can protect your loved ones by planning ahead. Give Katie at Dignity Memorial a call today at 503-807-5715. Life changes have happened and it's time to sell your house. That can be a difficult process when you've lived there for decades, especially under tragic circumstances like losing a spouse. 24-7 Properties takes the time to go over the details of your unique situation and understand your needs. We do what we can to maximize the value of your home. Learn online at 247prop.com. I'm Jeff Edmondson, founder of 24-7 Properties. 
Call me today and let's have a conversation about selling your house. No obligation, no cost. Let's find out what's right for you. Call me, 503-780-3030. We are back and uh, I have welcomed into the studio Kristen Kidney from Multnomah University, the chair of the department, the TESOL department, teaching English to speakers of other languages. And I want you to know that uh, part of the reason that we are able to do shows like this and all the shows that we do are because we have partners. And I want to mention, um, besides uh, the spots, the radio spots that you just heard, we also have our loyal partners with Dan the Mortgage Man uh, with First Priority Financial. We have Dream Trips, and I've been reading this for months and months and months, and finally, uh, they're going to be on the show coming up pretty soon. We have my friend Mariko with Portland City Acupuncture. She poked me with needles a couple months ago, and I I thought she was Jesus. She healed my pain. It was wonderful. And we have Eric Howard with uh, Next Phase Coaching and Dr. Dan Miller with Beaverton Chiropractic and his national network of um, a very special approach to uh, health and wellness. So I highly recommend. I know all of these people well, love them to pieces, and I want to just say thank you to them for making possible the shows that we do and all of the work that we're doing in the uh, in the community with our uh, with our action teams and with our um, business development groups and all the stuff that that we're doing. So, Kristen. Um, I didn't scare you away with my questions in the first part, right? I'm still here. And you're ready for more. So here's the thing. I, I'm just imagining when somebody, I mean, I, I saw the light bulbs go on when I was teaching, you know, fifth and sixth grade, and they learned something new for the first time. It was exciting. But, of course, it was all in English. So I would ask you, when you go back to that classroom, that scary, frightening first day, and you had the moms on the outside of the classroom and the kids in the middle, there or some other place tell us what it's like to be to watch uh eyes or facial expressions or words that come back to you when someone gets it or learns something or feels like gosh i can actually i can actually speak some english right it's just so rewarding you see yeah. so much progress and and i was sharing with you there's um you know, a lot of the people we work with already have some English to work with, but right. sometimes not. And uh, there was a gentleman from the Congo um, who came from a refugee camp and just saw when you greeted him and said hello, he looked back completely unsure what to say. And then you saw that look in his eyes that said, I'm not sure you can help me um, wow. because he, he didn't, didn't know when you said hello, you didn't know what he, he didn't, didn't know, know what, what to meant. say. Right. He he, yeah. This was completely new territory yeah. for him. Wow. And that, that doubt of, can you even help me if you don't speak my language? And I think that's a big misconception in T-Schools. I've taught students from 52 different countries around the world, over 30 languages. There's no way I can speak that many languages. But you learn how to use input enhancement, how to use non-linguistic tools to help you convey meaning. Input enhancement. That's kind of an inside word, right? Yeah. And so... 
you know, through the course of that first lesson, just watching him realize in his eyes, I understand you. Mm. I know what you meant. I just learned that word. I can say this now and build that confidence of this is going to work. This Mm. is, I'm going to make progress. I'm going to be okay. It's just a beautiful thing that God has wired us to learn language. Yeah. Yeah. The brain is so fascinating. I mean, I know some, I I like using the word polyglot. Mm -hmm. It's poly meaning many and glot meaning languages. So, you know, people who speak two or three or four languages, entirely impressed with them because I have a hard enough time with my own, you know, (laughs) getting all of the sentence structure and all of that stuff. But um, what I want to say to our listeners right now is, you know, we have people who pray for missionaries and for missions and for reaching uh, you know, the tribes and villages of South America and Africa and everything else. And and I just want to say uh, it's okay to pray, but um, you might want to think about doing something, and you don't have to fly to Africa to do something. Uh, give Kristen a call. Find out where you can plug in. In fact, she gave me a resource here, the Portland ESL Network. Uh, just Google that, and you'll find it. we got to find a, a way to plug in. And uh, Roger just showed me through the glass that we are rapidly running out of time. So, Kristen, I'm going to ask you to stay over to part two and because we're just kind of tapping into it. I want to speak to our audience, and I want to speak to pastors and ministry people, prayers, ministry people, evangelism people, because this is, to me, is a very relevant subject. And you can do and I, and I like what you say. You have taught English to to people from 52 countries and 30-some languages, and you don't know their languages, and that's the key. And, and you're right. It's a, it's a misunderstanding that, gosh, I have to learn Spanish if I'm going to teach you know, people coming up here from Central America or from Mexico. Not so. Okay. So I want to let our people know that we have some great uh, shows coming up. I was in the office of uh, one of the local mayors, a former mayor of one of our towns here, in fact, uh, right uh, where we are right now. And uh, he's going to talk about boomers getting involved in the community, and he also has a uh, professional uh, financial planning uh, service. I also have an estate planning attorney coming in that we can help us get our stuff together and protect our assets and our family and uh, just... A lot of good stuff. I've got several things on the list here that I, I can't even read. But I did mention Penny with the uh, travel agency. So if you want to uh, teach English to somebody in Africa, well, you know, we'll have Penny in and talk about dream trips and travel plans and all of that stuff. So um, that is uh, part one. We're wrapping up, and that's it for what's on the air. want to make sure that you know you can go to secondhalfnow.com. And uh, all of our shows, we're pushing close to 90 shows now. On our website, this podcast, you can um, uh, uh, download it, listen live, stream. I'm not sure even what the technology terms are. But anyway, so we want to encourage you to tune in every Monday uh, on KKPZ 1330 on the AM dial in the Portland market, 530 p.m. every Monday, commute time. And if you're fixing dinner or driving or, uh, you know, trying to change lanes or something, maybe that's a little distracting. So pick us up uh, on the website, Second F Now. Dot com. And if you have suggestions about topics or guests or anything, we want you to contact us. So uh, just uh, fill out the contact page or there's a Q&A page or something on our website. I haven't looked recently to tell you the truth. And if you would like a free CD of this show, call the uh, radio station 
242-1950. And Sunny, who just showed up in the other room, she will send one right out to you. So, And the topic for today, we're going to continue to part two, language, barrier or bridge. That's where we're continuing with Kristen Kidney with the TESOL program at Multnomah University. Secondhalfnow.com. Get it all there. See ya. Thanks for listening to Second Half Now with Dr. Dan Critchett on KKPZ 1330 The Truth. Sponsored by Dignity Memorial. To hear the rest of this program, find out more about the topics discussed today, or ask questions, visit secondhalfnow.com. That's secondhalfnow.com. Tune in next Monday at 5.30 p.m. for more tools and tips for the life you want to live from now on. Until then, visit secondhalfnow.com. Welcome to Second Half Now, a radio show for boomers and beyonders. Tools and tips for the life you want to live from now on. With Dr. Dan Critchett, Second Half Now, sponsored by Dignity Memorial. It's time for Second Half Now. The doctor is in. Now here is your host, Dr. Dan Critchett. And I'm going to welcome you to part two of our show with the title, Language, Barrier or Bridge. And if you did not listen to part one, you might say, well, where are you going with that? Or what does that have to do with anything? You may want to go back and listen to part one. It's on our website, secondhalfnow.com. Listen to that and then come back and listen to part two, because that's our topic and our title for today, Language, Barrier or Bridge. I'm in studio right now with Kristen Kidney, who is the chairman of the TESOL Department, T-E-S-O-L, Teaching English to Speakers of Other Languages. And we're engaged in a conversation about the power of this opportunity. And we had a little talk uh, during the interim between Part 1 and Part 2, and we got some even better stuff coming, so I can hardly wait to get to it. So, Kristen, again, thank you for coming in, and welcome again to uh, Second Half Now. Well, thank you for having me. And i got to say, true confessions here that uh, to our listening audience, you are not one of our group. See, if you were home, you can't listen to our bizarre club. It's our private little club. you got to be 50 or older. <clears throat> Sorry about that. <laughs> but I'm going to give you permission, in fact, ask you to speak into the lives of those who are 50 plus. Because, you know, life, and you'll know this when you, when you join our club later, um, life is a whole lot different, looks a whole lot different at 50 and 60 than it did at 20 and 30. We're different people. Life has happened. You know, we've had kids, we've had careers, we've had ups and downs and bumps and bruises. We've had failures and successes. And, you know, we get up and we shake it off and we say, okay, God, what do you want to do with me now? And that's a fantastic place for a person to be. And um, that is our listening audience. And I want our listeners to say, okay, if that's the case, is there something here for me? Is there some way for me to be involved? Is there, I think they're saying, tell me more. Tell me more. So I was very intrigued by, impressed by your credentials, but also intrigued by your experience and your way of expressing this. So let's talk about, um, you know, we talked about the role of English in the world. This is the, the language of, of commerce and access and information and power and all of that stuff. What does that mean to a Christian person or to a, to a community of believers in a local congregation? What does it mean to us? Well, hopefully we recognize that we are in a position of uh, great privilege and, and great power mm -hmm. and therefore great responsibility. I mean, Christ was very clear in saying, you know, um, 
answering the question of who is our neighbor. And I think our neighbor today maybe looks different than they did a few years ago, Um, but they're still our neighbor. And I think our responsibility to serve them in humility and as um, Jan Dormer writes, teach from a connectedness, um, serve Mm. from a connectedness of who we are in Christ. So if our neighbors have authentic language needs, then churches can get involved and excited about meeting those needs. We're often excited about um, meeting other kinds of needs in our community, whether that's um, offering food or clothing or spiritual guidance or counseling. Language is just another one of those categories of needs that's in our community that we can set up um, shop and do conversation practice with with people that are learning English. A lot of them are looking for just a listening ear and somebody to say, oh, no, it's pronounced this way not that way Um, and just have coffee and share conversation and get to know one another so they feel connected to the community so setting up opportunities to be conversation partners is a great way to get involved or setting up um, uh, English classes if you want Mm -hmm. to um, to set that up at a local church it doesn't take a whole lot of resources and um, we do offer at Multnomah University certificate programs if you'd like to get some training in that it's not terribly expensive but you can find out I think when we do something with excellence it it enhances our Christian witness so to to come get just a little bit of training on how to do um, input enhancement how to um, how to explain English with a little bit of English, not a lot of English, yeah, um, right. is a, a great opportunity. So um, teaching in the local church is another way um, to meet that need. And also, if if you're someone who loves to travel, this is a great way to travel. Mm, right. I, I always talk about travel as you can go and see buildings and mountains, and that's beautiful. But you, but if you really want to travel, like deep travel, go meet the people because that's a fantastic perspective on the world that God has made and the people of his creation. And um, teaching English is just a great way to travel on short-term mission trips and meet people of this world and build relationships, partnering with local churches all over the world that could use your skill to mm-hmm. cast their net wide. So. And uh, our listeners already have the tool. Oh, absolutely. Because they are English speakers. Right. right? And so I guess what I'm picturing is, uh, you know, if, if I, I'm not, a, I'm not an auto mechanic, but if I had a tool that could fix a certain thing when a car goes wrong, all I need to know is I need to learn how to use that tool in that particular situation. So because what we have is a tool and then you and your department and others, you know, can help me learn how to use my language tool. Right. To bless and benefit somebody else. I'm going to go back to someone else, something else that you sort of alluded to. Um, I think um, American English speakers might, you know, find you know the the um, the Mexican or the Hispanic or the the Latino Latina. I'm not sure what the right politically correct term is. And he might say, "Well, I can't witness to them." Because, well, in the first place, I don't know their language. In the second place, even I can hardly witness in my own language. 
<clears throat> and we've kind of reduced our role of being a blessing and benefit to other people to it only being when the situation is exactly right, when I can communicate my faith in in my language. So, But to back away from that and to say, what if I was able to engage in that person from with that person from Mexico or Guatemala or Ecuador or whatever else, and if I was to gift them with something having to do with learning the language, then a relational bridge begins to be built. And then he or she becomes my friend or my, you know, then we seeing each other on a regular basis. And then when they and they're, they're learning more about my heart and my life um, without me telling them about Jesus first thing because I'm reluctant to do that because not only do they do I not know their language but I might think are they even receptive do they even care I mean is this something that we even want to talk about so as a longtime pastor with my outreach lens is always on I see that as a great opportunity to 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 reach out on, uh, on the level of a need and to provide something for that need. And that person is going to be drawn to you because you're opening up a whole huge world for them if they if they want to learn English. Right. And a world for them. And also, um, I think one of the, the great blessings of being a teacher or being um, a language partner <clears throat> is it's, it's you receive so much back. Mm-hmm. You become friends with people yeah. from all over the world and it broadens your perspective. Um, I just remember going to class one day and feeling like it was just the worst day ever. I had been on the phone with insurance, and then there was traffic, and the copy machine was broken. I mean, oh, my yeah. day was just That's day. terrible. That's right. And I get to class, and it's during the Arab Spring, and I have two new students from Libya. Wow. My day suddenly yeah. looked fantastic compared to yeah. the global perspective yeah. of I didn't have to leave everything I know and love right. in the middle of the night and run right. away just to be safe. Right. Um, so the blessing that comes wow. to you in return from that global perspective yeah. of what is going on in our world is just so enriching. Mm. It can really shrink your problems in a hurry. Oh, my gosh. And then, yeah, thank you. That's And well then said. you get the blessing of that friendship. Yeah. Um, some of my greatest friendships are with people from pockets of the world that yeah. I'm it's just amazing. And if a person has a missionary heart, you know, they might feel like, gosh, I really feel like I, I, I need to go to South America or I need to go to China or whatever else. Well, wait a minute. You don't have to sell your house and, you know, and, and go to the mission field. They're coming here. Absolutely. And, and I think that's God's creative calling in our in our lives um, that he says, no, you don't have to go over there. I'm going to bring them over here. So let me ask you this, this idea or a question that popped into my mind. Is all of this teaching done in person or can you do it on video conferencing or Skype or something like that? Yeah, there are technologies that um, where you can teach via Skype and you, okay. there are um, schools that will sign you up to that and they have programs. Um, yeah. So some of it can be done digitally. Um, I I have a bias toward the face-to-face because I like to bring baked goods to my students, but (laughs) that gets challenging over the, over the internet. But, um, 
Yeah, it's it's about that yeah. relationship. It's about communicating and learning your students. I always say you have to learn who you teach before you can learn how you teach because mm. people are just so different yeah, and learning good. their differences and learning who they are is yeah. just such a rich blessing. Wow. Well, and you embody that so well. I mean, you're just uh, brimming with enthusiasm about this subject. And it's kind of contagious because, um, you know, I've been involved in pockets of uh, outreach and ministry and service and those kinds of things. And a little bit ago you were talking about we can, you know, we can get excited and rightly so about helping the homeless and the hungry and the, you know, the the uh, the teenage moms and the single parents. And, you know, we can get involved with those. But maybe there's a place for some, and maybe it's not for everybody, but for some to say language is something that I, I see what a gift I can give. And that, and that gift becomes, back to the title, barrier or bridge. So when you turn around, the guy behind you, and uh, he doesn't speak any English, well, that can be a barrier because, well, I can't talk with him. Or that lack of language, people in our community, that can be a bridge because they need what we have. Right. What if you had in that moment a flyer in your bag that was advertising how to come to the English classes at your church and say, hey, if you're interested, we're doing this and we'd love to have you. Exactly. I see a model that I I would like to uh, share with pastors because we'll be able to visualize this together. So let's just pick, you know, Tuesday evening at at 6 o'clock. I mean, I'm just pulling that out of the air here. But we have dinner, you know, it's provided at the church. And anybody that needs to uh, learn English or polish their English or get introduced to English, come. Don't. There's no cost. There's child care. There's dinner. And then we're going to talk some English. And you have a, a curriculum or a pattern that uh, you can hook them up with um, with partners or however you do that. I want the pastor or lay leaders to visualize, gosh, that could happen at my church. And it's not sending a missionary, you know, for thousands of dollars. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But those, the, the, you know, they're right here. So what what does it cost? And I just mean this rhetorically. I'm not necessarily looking for an answer. What does it cost to have that kind of an outreach ministry in your community, Pastor, at your church? Tuesday evenings at 6 o'clock. Or you pick the time in the day and you have a little outreach like you were talking, uh, Kristen, about having a... Uh, a flyer in your bag. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's a business card size kind of a thing, and just say, "Hey, come and join us. This is what this is what we do." Uh, I have a feeling that word uh, gets around when something like that is available, right? And uh, just um, oddly enough, that word that gets around may not be in English, <laughs> but that's what they want to come and learn. So, you were telling me during the break about um, about an article that you read in uh, Washington Post, was it? Yes. Yeah. So. Uh-oh. Tell about that. I just basically said that if you think Christianity is diminishing, chances are you're um, a a white American because globally Christianity is on the rise. It's just moving. It's um, God is doing major things in the global (laughs) south, looking Mm -hmm. at Mexico and and Central and South America, looking at Africa, look to China and see how it's expanding. So we say, okay, we'll do this as outreach, but you may very well find that you are serving fellow brothers and sisters in Mm. Christ that have come here needing these things um, too. So, you know, that's an interesting bridge that I just, and and you helped me make that. Um, Maybe there are Christian uh, people from other countries that are here and learning English, but they already have faith. Mm-hmm. So you give them the, a, a tool to then 
you know, multiply that to people of their own language. Right. And, and integrate kind of into the local body of Christ yeah. that we can be more diverse right. in our churches right. and more welcoming to our brothers and sisters in Christ that are coming yeah. here from other corners of the globe. Signs that we can see around <clears throat> the community is, uh, you know, here's XYZ Baptist Church or Lutheran Church or whatever else. And then another sign below that, typically smaller, it's in Russian or it's in Spanish or something. Well, three o'clock, you know, I mean, the, the main service is 11 o'clock. So basically, and I know this, most of what that means is, is that this, excuse me, this other church of another language, another culture is renting the building. And uh, usually, now not always, but usually that just means that it's a business arrangement mm-hmm. and that, you know, you pay your... Two separate congregations exactly. in every way. Right, exactly. That so, don't have to be so separate. There we go. Why not have yeah. opportunities for the English speakers to learn that other language? Mm-hmm. Um, why not have opportunities for them to learn yours? And, right. And share in those linguistic resources yeah. so that you can more fully integrate and right. and glean from one another's right. cultural perspectives on yeah. Christianity. And if the, our common denominator is not our language but our faith, mm. that can lead to some amazing things. Absolutely. And so I don't know if uh, the American uh, English-speaking pastor reaches out to the other pastor and say, hey, uh, you know, we would like to bring some people together from our church, and maybe we don't worship together, maybe we don't do Bible study together, but we have a powerful tool that maybe some of your people would be interested in, and that would be our English language. So maybe we have the Tuesday at 6 o'clock in the evening, you know, with free child care and have a meal, and our people can help your people. I mean, that, that's a great right. thing. And without, um, again, without having traveled to China or Korea or wherever this other church might, you know, have as its um, root, you know, in language and culture, uh, we can provide that right here. Right. And, and that linguistic difference. separation may only be a generation before its full integration because yeah, the children point. of those that speak with the one language right. are are learning English very quickly. And exactly. so if you continue as two separate congregations with separate resources forever, um, that seems less viable than starting the process of integrating right. now. Exactly. And if that happens, I say the American English-speaking church has failed, has, has, has missed or lost or squandered an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you about... Um, that very kind of thing when my daughter, uh, when, when we were on a mission church, a mission trip in Mexico building house houses, and my daughter was, gosh, I want to say, I'll figure it out here quickly. She was five or six or seven years old. I want to tell you about that experience, which exactly what, because she was around a whole bunch of kids who, and they did not speak the same language, but I'll tell that story right after the break. We'll be right back. Do you have an elderly parent that is becoming isolated, not eating well, feeling depressed or fearful of losing independence? Do you know your options? Need peace of mind or know what is best for yourself or others during their golden years of life? At no cost to you or your family, Golden Placement Services can give you hope in the midst of great change. Even if it means staying at home is the right option. Call the Golden Girls at 503-723-7145 today. That's 503-723-7145 and schedule your non-obligation appointment today. Helping to plan a funeral for someone you love is a painful process. It's one of the most emotional things you'll ever have to do. 
but imagine how much grief would be spared if people planned for themselves. Though it may sound difficult or uncomfortable to even think about, the experts at Dignity Memorial Funeral Homes and Cemeteries can help with a free personal planning guide that takes you step-by-step through the process. And, of course, Dignity Memorial will even help you complete your plan with the expert assistance of trained and caring advisors. There are a lot of very good reasons to plan ahead. Make sure your final wishes are respected, sparing your loved ones the added grief of planning for you and having to pay for it. If you choose to fund your plan early, you can even lock in current pricing, avoiding increases due to inflation, and take advantage of budget-friendly payments. There is a free informational seminar that includes a complimentary meal at a restaurant in your area very soon. Find out more and ask any questions you may have by calling Katie at 503-807-5715. It costs nothing to learn how you can protect your loved ones by planning ahead. Give Katie at Dignity Memorial a call today at 503-807-5715. Interest rates are still down, and that means the time to buy is right now. Let 24-7 Properties help you find the right house for your current needs. Jeff and his team, they take the time to get to know you and your unique situation to find the home that's just right for you. Search for available homes online at 247prop.com. I'm Jeff Edmondson, founder of 24-7 Properties. Call me today and let's talk about the type of property you are interested in purchasing. No obligation, no cost. Let's find out what's right for you. Call me, 503 503- 780 And we're back. I'm here in the studio with Kristen Kidney, the head of the department at Multnomah. And the department is TESOL, T-E-S-O-L. It's an acronym for Teaching English to Speakers of Other Languages. I wanted to pronounce it TESOL, but you say no. In fact, my daughter, who... Uh, was I you know she's explored linguistics and you know was learning Chinese and so forth and she said uh, she said I, I think I see uh, have said Tesla too but when you think about it e English it's you know <laughs> so it should be a long e so okay fine <laughs> so um, oh yeah my speaking of my daughter so we were on a mission trip we were building churches uh, in Baja. And um, my two kids, my wife and I, were, you know, pounding nails and stuff. And, you know, she wasn't old enough to do any of that, but she was uh, surrounded. I mean, she was the all-star, right? She was surrounded by all these little Mexican kids. It was so cute. And these kids, I mean, I thought about my older boys, too, because these kids would take literally a two-by-four that we would saw off and throw away the end. And they would play all day with that thing. It would be a truck or a plane or, a, you know, something. And they would have a... Anyway, so Rachel is playing with these kids. And um, uh, I'm going to think of her little friend's name, Maharita, or so, I'll think about it in a minute. But anyway, Rachel was leading. I mean, she's kind of a natural-born leader anyway. And, you know, at that moment, the language didn't matter. Because she was marching and singing and playing, and they were following her, and they were having a great time. And they would have been very good friends, but they couldn't communicate with the language. And so to fast forward now, I mean, she uh, has a degree in linguistics and is uh, is uh, thinking about going back into that a- after having some experience you know, with the early childhood part. Mm-hmm. But I just think about the phenomenon of having a gift, of being able to communicate, particularly our language, it's not just because we're nationalistic and, you know, we think uh, 
uh, our language is the best. Well, it does happen to be the the world-known language of commerce and success and business and education and all that other stuff. Right. right. So and what about For such that? a time as this, too. Yeah. We're not saying that it will always be English, nor has it always been English. Right. Um, but for such a time as this, because of factors that are much bigger than any one person sat down right. and planned, I would say maybe on the God level of globalization and world mm-hmm. politics and socioeconomic factors that um, technology has played a big role in bringing our small world into an even yeah. smaller sphere. And in doing so, the the desire to communicate is stronger than ever. And so oftentimes when I'm teaching English, I'm not teaching somebody to speak to a native English speaker from America. But if I'm teaching a Korean businessman, maybe he's learning English so he can communicate with someone from Saudi Arabia. Mm. It has become the the world global language. And so... Yeah, access is big. In fact, there was a a secular sociologist um, who interviewed middle schoolers in Pakistan. And if you can put your middle school worldview on for just a minute and uh, appreciate the perspective of what it is to be a middle schooler and what, what you think of the world when you're in middle school. Um, So he went to these middle schoolers in Pakistan and he asked them, Okay, so tell me, um, what what should we be doing to help Afghan refugee children? What would be the most helpful? And a lot of the answers were the things that you would expect, medicine and um, shelter, food, these sorts of things. But over and over again, the sociologist said these uh, Pakistani middle school children said, Afghan refugee children need English lessons. And he thought that was so, mm. he said, it just didn't seem like it matched the rest of the answers. So he went back and asked them again and said, why, why do you think English lessons are so important to Afghan refugee children? That didn't seem to add up to him. And he said their answers kind of fit into these two threads. One thread being, well, the opportunities that they'll have. Um, career-wise and um, just to get out of the refugee camps would be greater if they knew English. But the second thread really, um, really struck me. It was saying that, well, the world's resources are held by English speakers. Mm. So if you want access to the world's resources, you need to communicate. You need to get your story out in English. It was just very powerful that even middle schoolers could see that English is a humanitarian resource, um, that we have um, a greater ear to listen to the stories that come to us in in our language. What a great insight that um, if a middle schooler can look at the world as they can from that age and in that culture and say, I want that. How can I go about and get it? You know, and, and one course of action might be to overthrow the, the current, you know, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, what do you call it when you uh, when you change the uh, the leadership? It's called uh, a coup. Yeah, I'm missing a regime change. Regime change. Yeah, <laughs> yes. that's it. Or what if I was able to learn English? Or mm. what about the Afghan refugees? Or and now we can, you know, broaden out the news. I mean, it's the Syrian refugees and the people that are fleeing from horrible, horrible. Maybe it's the Libyans. Maybe it's the Egyptians. I mean, you know, all kinds of trouble going on. And 
English then becomes one of those main tools that, of success <coughs> and achievement. Language, barrier or bridge is what we're talking about. <coughs> Excuse me, it's still, still not over that cough. keeps hanging around. I talked to a pastor friend the other day who said that he has that same thing, and he takes uh, elderberry extract or something. So from Dr. Dan here, I'm giving you, there we go. You can take that to the bank or to the pharmacy or something. So uh, we're going to wrap up here, and um, I just really am so intrigued by all of this. And, I, again, I want to talk to the pastor or to the ministry person or to the member. I mean, the person that sits in the back row at church, it doesn't matter who it is. But I want you to picture, you know, metaphorically, um, Tuesday, 6 o'clock, dinner, uh, free child care, and we're going to do some English. And uh, I think something like that gets around in the culture that, that you have access to. And you don't have to do the advertising. They'll do it for you, right? Right. And you might run out of chili, you know, because <laughs> the people might. Then you have an opportunity to connect with, to build relationships with, to meet needs and maybe then you can share your faith story. Maybe then it'll be the context of having met a need that you can share with them more about your Christian faith. That's powerful to me because it's not it's not just preaching on a corner. You know, it's not just handing out a leaflet or a booklet or something. Here, go read the Gospel of John. And I don't want to minimize that because that can be powerful. But when you can touch a life in such a significant and foundational way of the language. So tell us a little bit as we close here about um, the role of Multnomah in the region, in the area. What can what does Multnomah offer? What do you offer through your department? What can we do? How can we hook up? Right. Well, we have a number of opportunities. Um, The first one being just certificate programs. So for people who are not necessarily looking for a career or employment in TESOL, but would still really like some training, I always say if you're going to do something in the name of Christ, do it as well as you can. Absolutely. Um, So if you would like some training in TESOL, but maybe you're not ready to invest in a, a degree, we do have certificate programs where you get to come Um, You can do just one class and get a foundation certificate, or you can come and do six classes and do an advanced certificate just for the price of of auditing the class. But you actually end with the certificate. Um, We also have bachelor's programs and master's programs and endorsement classes. So if you are someone who has an initial teaching license, you can get an endorsement on your license Mm. at Multnomah. Okay, Um, good. But all of that... um, it's just a great way to train, to, to, to fill your toolbox with activities and, and techniques that are effective for teaching English. And, um, yeah, we also did a workshop back in February. This is an annual event um, for church volunteers, short-term mission teams, to come spend one Saturday with us. Okay. And mm-hmm. you can... Um, uh, get just a plethora of ideas, techniques, practices, principles, things that will be helpful that you can take um, that are just very practical. You can take it right into the classroom and use it um, for your ministry and for um, meeting that authentic language mm. need in our community. I like that. The whole picture is God size. And I'm thinking somebody is listening that might say, well, I, you know, I'm not sure that I, you know, see myself in the role of teaching 
but uh, but I'll bring food, or mm-hmm. I'll uh, I'll do I'll provide the childcare, or I'll do you make know make the copies, be an yeah, assistant, exactly. help with the pronunciation on the exactly. side from the main teacher. Right. Um. I'll, oftentimes, students aren't just looking for a teacher; they're looking for a conversation partner, right. somebody they can sit down, and the the life of an immigrant who cannot speak English can sometimes be a very lonely life. Oh, I would imagine. And to just have somebody who's going to sit and listen to you talk about the trouble you're having with your kids or the the uh, tediousness of doing chores or, um, you know, just somebody to talk about your day and your life with um, is a powerful thing. Mm. So even if you're not interested in the teaching English, if you could just be a conversation partner for them to practice the English that they know, that builds relationships and that speaks that linguistic hospitality. I can think of somebody might be saying, well, I mentioned this to my pastor and he isn't excited about or doesn't know that this is the time or the place. What can I do apart from my from my own church? Can they just call you at Multnomah and you can kind of send them in a different direction or tell them what some of the opportunities might be? Absolutely. I'd okay. be happy to, to hear from them and, and maybe connect them to another church or organization that is doing something. Good, very good. How about a phone number? Yes. Um, I'll have to look have it up. To look it up. <laughs> Does anybody remember their phone numbers these days? Right. <laughs> it's in my phone, I'm sure. Um, well, I'll just yeah, kind of. You can certainly find my contact information on our website at mu uh, multnoma.edu. Okay. Um, just look up Kristen Kidney, and my um, my information, my email will come up, and also my phone number now is. Found it. Yeah. Okay. Five zero three two five one. Six four one two, and that, is that just to the gives switchboard, or is that that's to your... straight to my office? So Excellent. I'd be Let's hear happy it again. to have a conversation. Okay. It's five zero three two five one six four one two. Excellent, six four one two, perfect. Thank you very much for coming in today. This was very enlightening and encouraging. Uh, we have an opportunity to meet with some pastors coming up, but we're lining up a number of. Pastor's Breakfast, and I've invited you and also the chair of the business department, Lee Sellers, because Multnomah is a partner with us, and that's part of what we do together. We try to expand uh, ministry opportunities and awareness and all that kind of stuff, and because we are really wanting to reach out to the boomers, the 50-plus people, and say, this is something that might be for you. Maybe not, but it might be, so we're getting that out there. Thank you again. We were talking about language, barrier, or bridge. So do you want to answer that question? Which is it? I think it can be a very powerful bridge. Thank you. That's what I think, too. Thank you, Kristen, for coming in today. From Multnomah University, the TESOL Department Chairman, teaching English to speakers of other languages. I got that right now, right? That's right. All right. Well, God bless you, and that is it for today. I have a close here. I've got to get to the right uh, page. And I get so involved in our conversation, I lose my, lose my way. Okay, here it is. Uh, we want to encourage you to um, tune in every Monday, 5.30 uh, p.m. on KKPZ. And uh, that's where you hear the uh, program on the air. And then, of course, go to our website for all the podcasts, um, secondhalfnow.com. That's our program for today. I am your host, Dr. Dan Critchett, saying goodbye for now. And until next time. 
May God help you live a life that honors Him and blesses others. So let's meet again right here on our website, on the podcast, or live next Monday, 5.30 p.m. on the radio, KKPZ, 1330, The Truth. Thanks for listening to Second Half Now with Dr. Dan Critchett on KKPZ 1330 The Truth. Sponsored by Dignity Memorial. To hear the rest of this program, find out more about the topics discussed today, or ask questions, visit secondhalfnow.com. That's secondhalfnow.com. Tune in next Monday at 5.30 p.m. for more tools and tips for the life you want to live from now on. Until then, visit secondhalfnow.com.